morning, everyone. Welcome. Well, anyone, maybe. We were um, really regretting not pre-recording this week. It looks so amazing outside. Mm -hmm. We're just sort of glaring at the beautiful sea, glistening. So um, if you're watching it now, well done. <laughs> if not, we totally understand. Um, we, would, so, we would be yeah, out there yeah. if we exactly. didn't have other commitments. That's it. <laughs> yeah, so really nice to be with you. This is now week 12 where we're gathering online, wow. which just feels crazy. Um, but anyway, here we are, and so grateful for technology to be able to do that. And believe it or not, this week we have absolutely no birthdays wow. that, that we know of. So that doesn't mean that someone hasn't had a birthday. So if you have, happy birthday. Hope you got to celebrate well. And we will, obviously, when we can get back together again, we'll have that chocolate yeah, box happy filled birthday. up. And happy anniversary if you've had an anniversary this week. Also, just wanted to let you know we put it in the weekly connector. Um, that hopefully we will be moving to um, be able to gather a little bit more over this next little while. Groups are 25, so whilst we can, when, that, when we can do that, I should say, which hopefully will be sometime this week, we would love to be able to offer that. So if you're really keen to be involved in that, we thought the easiest way to do it, since I don't know about you, but I'm a little rusty on the um, gathering with people again, so we want to keep it really low-key. And we have got such stunning beaches that we can gather at. So we thought over this next little while, um, we would like to do that. So in the Weekly Connector, we had a space where you can sign up to either attend one of those or to host one. By hosting it, it doesn't really mean anything other than um, you just be the person who's there first and maybe stays last. So if you're keen to do that, if you jump onto the email that we sent out on Thursday. If you don't get those emails, that means you're not on our email list. So if you want to receive them, we send them out once a week. We don't bombard you every Thursday. And the email is admin at maharingi, I could look it up, vineyardchurch.org. So yeah, that would be great if you want to do that. Wonderful. Hey, so this week um, we are starting what is really one of my favorite times of year. And I know we're a little bit pushed out, but I'll explain that in a minute. But there's no secret that I absolutely love um, the Advent season. I, I just think it is a fantastic way um, to, to end a calendar year. I, I think, you know, up until now, many years, we, it has been just an incredible way of living countercultural to remember when our lives were super busy running around, going to the mall and doing lots of stuff, um, and how Advent was a, a time, and we've done lots of things over the years, sometimes grand, sometimes a bit more smaller, um, but, but it was always about living countercultural to a, um, a season where, where we kind of want to hurry up and rush it over so that we can get on to our summer holidays. Remember when we used to think like that? Um, <laughs> And so obviously this year is very different, but, but actually Advent is so incredibly important. Um, I don't know about you, but I have felt so overwhelmed at different times throughout this season. Like, yeah, just like I've never felt before, just completely overwhelmed. There just seem to be so many complex issues. There are people seem to be really frustrated all around us and and people are tired and they're 
and they're scared and they're kind of emotions like I'm talking about myself and no one else, definitely no one else, but, but emotions feel like they're on hyper mode. Like what might be a slightly annoying thing just feels like your world is coming to an end. And, and so, so there's, there's no, no, not at all. Um, but there's, you know, our, our emotions are on hyper mode. There are, um, there are like so many political views and things getting, oh, it just feels so messy. And then that's not even to mention social media, which honestly, if it weren't for Maharang even your church live, I think, I think I'd be super tempted to take my phone and just take it out to sea or do something with it. Um, and yet, and yet this year with Advent, I feel like there is, we have an incredible opportunity to lean into something more. You know, with all of that stuff going on and all of those feelings and all of that, um, yeah, just tiredness and frustration and complexity, it is so easy to lose sight of, of Jesus. It, it is so easy to forget the relevance that Jesus brings to like right here, right now, like that is the good news of the kingdom, the good news that he he embodies. It wasn't just his message when he was here. It was it's who he was. It is his good news is as irrelevant and as important today as it was two thousand years ago. And so this season of Advent, this season of waiting for Jesus, seems far less like kind of a nostalgic, warm, fuzzy feeling that it may have been in the past and far more like for me it feels like a lifeline it feels like um a necessity of life um to get through this season and my heart is or my hope is that that I can and my hope for all of us is we can get through this season with soft hearts you know still loving god still loving others still loving life um, which is our, our mission, our vision, you know. But but I want to get through this season with soft hearts. I want to get through this season with open hands, still looking out for the hurting, the lost, the poor, the broken, like still caring for them. I want to get through this season to de- still demonstrating um, what Jesus looks like to others. You know, I want to be able to I want to be able to emulate Jesus in the things that I do. In the, in the things that I say, and probably more importantly, the things that I don't say, um, we, are, we are starting, like I said, you know, normally Advent's four weeks, but I feel like this season we need, to, we need as much of Jesus as we can get. And so what I've done is um, we, I picked it up from our Vineyard Pastors um, Zoom meetings, which have been lovely. Once a week we get together. And one of the Vineyard Pastors was talking about um, this Advent, I've got to make sure I say it right, antiphones. So it's a really ancient, well, it go, dates back to this, the 8th century tradition of Advent antiphones. And, and antiphones? we're going to, antiphones, sorry. Um, and it's a series of seven prayers. And we're going to, I'm going to sort of really loosely follow the, the trans, uh, excuse me, the, the tradition. Um, but it's so important because these seven prayers are all. Um, calling on Jesus to come in in different ways. So Jesus is those seven prayers are addressed to Jesus, and they are they are seven different sort of I guess um, titles or attributes of Jesus. And in each of those each of those attributes, there is hope embodied as we call on Jesus to come. 
So, and, and, and really to know that when Jesus comes in our here and now, whatever our here and now looks like, he brings with him himself hope. And, and we can also not only hope for him to come in our here and now, but ultimately, you know, shift our perspective that one day Jesus is coming. He's coming in his fullness and his kingdom is going to come in his fullness. And, and all of the hurting, all of the pain, all of the everything that we're probably feeling quite overwhelmed with now will be gone. Um, and there's a hope in that. And these, these prayers originally were, would have been written in Latin. And so really briefly, as, as a translation goes, these seven attributes or seven titles of Jesus, um, we'll go through them. And they translate to um, the one that we're going to look at briefly this morning, wisdom. Jesus coming as wisdom. Um, second is Jesus coming as Lord. Jesus coming as the root of Jesse, as the key of David, as the morning star as the king of the nations, and finally, as God with us. We know that as Emmanuel. Um, and, and really, I'd love you to look up, look up um, Advent antiphon, antiphons. Um, I practiced it ages, and I still get it wrong. Um, but look it up online. Some really, really beautiful um, parts of this tradition that I just think are so incredible. And um, one of the things, really, that you probably really notice if you look through is, or one that would be the most relevant to us, is these prayers or these antiphons are actually the building block or what make up the hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Mm -hmm. So if you're able to look that up, you can see um, the extended versions, not just the one that we briefly sing. Um, that's these prayers or that's these seven attributes of Jesus. You know, I just think so, we have, we have got such an incredible opportunity in the complexity, in the frustration, in the grief, in the pain of this season, to fix our eyes on Jesus, to give our hearts to Jesus, to place our hope and our trust in the hands of Jesus. No matter how, no matter how long it takes, no matter how long we have to wait, you know, our challenge is as we live in the waiting, with its suffering, with its hardship, with its joy, and with its celebration, um, we would do so in such a way that we remember what Jesus looks like. That's what these seven prayers are. They're a reminder of, this is who Jesus is. This is what he looks like. And, and I'd love for us actually to be able to process through this season um, remembering, actually, this is what Jesus looks like. This is what his kingdom looks like. Um, you know, when it comes near, I'd love for us to be living in such a way that not only would we recognize that for ourselves, but there'd be something in the way that we live, the way that we choose to live, the way that we choose to speak, the way that we choose to be quiet, the way that we choose to um, filter and interpret other people's actions would do something of pointing others to Jesus. Mm. I'm just going to read this morning from Luke chapter 2 verses 22 to 40 and I'm reading from the New Living translation. It is New Living. Yeah. Yep. Um, so Jesus presented in the temple starting in verse 22. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, 
a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him, sorry, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet Anna, the daughter of... I can't remember how to say it. Now I'm doing the you. I looked this up. I'm going to say Fenuel. I don't know if that's right. That's right. Of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, moment she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. This um, story, or the two stories, um, Luke intertwine, inter, interweaves them together. But these stories of, of Simeon and Anna are, are such a powerful and centering reminder of what it looks like to be a people who are praying for and longing for the hope of Jesus. Their story is this beautiful interwoven tension of, of pain and of suffering and of difficulty in the present but also this intertwining together of all of those things with this hope that comes from Jesus. The hope of who he is, but also the hope of his presence. Luke is, is really building a picture in his gospel, in his letter, of what Jesus actually looks like, of, of who he is and, and what he looks like. Luke is, Luke is painting this picture of Jesus as really the true world leader. He's, he's painting this picture of Jesus, the Messiah, as the Lord, the Lord of Lords, the Messiah, the Savior. He's painting this picture of this is what Jesus, he embodies power and authority. And we can know from reading scripture and really just looking at history is it becomes really clear that all of those things, the perspective of the world, that these things are really can often be so different from, from really the perspective that God brings. You just think of our, our view of power and authority even, um, how, how the world's interpretation of that is so different from, from God's 
perspective of what power and authority looks like and the really the example that Jesus gave of 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 those things but but lots of others as well the god's kingdom is coming but really it, we've see it here but we see but also actually today is god's kingdom coming is often looks so different from what we would expect of in in our current situation or our current world the picture this picture that the luke is painting but really all of scripture is painting is one of this increasing sort of reality of of suffering of hardship you know simeon is living a life of waiting for god to come and to comfort israel um anna is waiting for the redemption of of the nation but both of them are living in this world this world kind of almost like a dual world of patient hope but in this world of patient hope there is suffering that has really just become a way of life and it now appears that really god's god's answer to to people's suffering is jesus and and really jesus then his his way of dealing with our suffering, as much as we'd love for it to be, is come in and sweep it away, like get rid of it. But, but we see in Scripture, and we probably see in many of us in our own life, Jesus' answer isn't always just to sweep our suffering away, to free us from it. Um, but it's, it's to come and to sit with us in the pain, to sit with us in the suffering. Um, what if... In this Advent season, you know, and it's extended, we've, we've pulled it out to seven weeks, but, but I think it's so important. What if in this Advent season, with our frustration, with our fear, with our anger, or, or the uncertainty of what, you know, one day or one press conference brings after the other, what if in this season of, of our grief of so many things that have been lost or, or haven't been able to be outworked, what if in this season of our paranoia, where we're finding it hard to trust anyone about anything, or, or in this season of feeling so isolated and alone, or boredom, or disappointment, or exhaustion, what if in all of it, we can experience Jesus sharing those feelings with us, sitting in the midst of all of those things and, and whatever else it is that you're experiencing, that we would find in this Advent season, Jesus coming near, coming close and sitting with us in all of it. Yeah, and this week um, I, was in a, I was in a meeting, but it started with a devotion and the person leading the devotion shared this poem. And when I first heard it, I was like, you know, I'm going to read it to you twice because you needed to hear it twice. You probably need to hear it about 10 times before it starts to sink in. But it was so impactful for me. And it's a poem by Wendell Berry. And I'm not normally into poetry, but I thought this was so beautiful. Well, I don't know if beautiful is the word. Anyway, it was very impactful. So I'm going to read it. It's called To Know the Dark. So I'll read it twice. So just really, if you want, close your eyes and listen. To go in the dark with a light is to know the light. To know the dark, go dark. Go without sight and find that the dark too blooms and sings and is traveled by dark feet and dark wings. So I'll read it again. To go in the dark with a light is to know the light. 
to know the dark, go dark, go without sight, and find that the dark too blooms and sings, and is travelled by dark feet and dark wings. I think for me it was so impactful because I really, I don't know about you, but I don't like sitting in the dark. I like to get a torch and find my way out of it pretty fast. And it was just a reminder that there is great hope for us in sitting in the dark, that we don't sit in it alone, we sit in it with Jesus. Mm. And he sits in it with all of our myriad of feelings and emotions, the ones that are reasonable, the ones that are completely irrational, but he sits in it with us. And, and there's actual beauty that comes out of sitting in those dark places as much as we, like Lyndon said, would just love all of the suffering to be pushed aside and just live this life of um, triumph after triumph. It just simply isn't reality. So I found, I don't know about you, but I found that for me just such a, re a really beautiful picture of, of not taking a torch into the dark, but being okay to sit in the dark. You know, I said earlier this um, this sort of um, tradition of antiphons that we're leaning into. It's got so many beautiful, complex meanings, and and I, I just when I when I started reading about it, I loved it. And one of the things that is so I just think so beautiful about it is normally the tradition runs the week before Christmas. You read it every all of the seven prayers get read. Um, excuse me, each prayer gets read the seven nights leading up to. And, and so in Latin, the first, um, first letters of each of those attributes or titles of Jesus, if you put the first letters together, um, they, they can be translated from, from Latin into English roughly, is that I will be there tomorrow. If you read it backwards. If you read it backwards, yeah. So, so if you work backwards from Emmanuel, it, it says, I will be there tomorrow. I love that. I just love that thought of, do you know, like even in the story of Simeon and Anna, we see a lifetime, a long lifetime. The Bible goes and makes a point of saying they're both really old. A long lifetime of, of waiting for the tomorrow. Mm -hmm. um, and yet God in the waiting is so faithful. He's faithful. He was faithful to them and he'll be faithful to us for us to see Jesus, to experience Jesus in our, in our tomorrow. Their tomorrow will come. And I guess for us is, I, or my prayer for us, is that we too would know Jesus in our waiting and in our tomorrow. I'm just going to finish by reading from Isaiah 11, verses 1 to 5, and I'm reading this from the message this morning. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot, Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will delight in obeying the Lord. He will not judge by appearance, nor make a decision based on hearsay. He will give justice to the poor and make fair decisions for the exploited. The earth will shake at the force of his word, and one breath from his mouth will destroy the wicked. He will wear, he will wear righteousness like a belt, and truth like an undergarment. So I'm just going to finish now and pray for us, um, pray for you as we, as we enter into this extended Advent season of waiting and focusing on who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. 
So Jesus, we thank you today that you have come as wisdom and understanding. We pray that hope would take root in our hearts and that it would flourish. We ask that you would build within us righteousness and faithfulness in this season of waiting. Amen. Well, thank you guys. It's been so good. I'm really excited about about really the next few weeks ahead and really focusing in on the hope that is Jesus and how relevant and how powerful that is for our season right now. Mm. Have a great week. If you need someone to stand with you, to pray with you, um, please get in touch with us. Um, Have a look out for those gatherings and, and really get involved with those as well. Thank you very much. See ya. See ya.